Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another live edition of the Sun Solar Panel. As always, I'm your host, Dave King, and thanks for coming by. The Solar Panel, we are always free, always fresh, and presented by the Basketball Podcast Network. We got this live interactive show every Saturday and a bunch of midweek shows during the week that you can find on your podcast app. If you're listening, make sure you, uh, if you're listening on YouTube, make sure you hit that thumbs up for me. I appreciate that. Uh, And uh, if you are listening on the podcast later on, make sure you leave a five-star review. We've got a few new five-star reviews this week, Zona, that I'm going to read toward the end of the show. Uh, they're a little too effusive on you, so I won't read them word for word, but, you know, <laughs> uh, but I'll definitely read them uh, and and shout out folks for leaving five-star reviews. Zona, good morning. How you doing today? Morning. Good to be back, ready to talk some Suns basketball and, uh, you know, the disrespect that has been on- online, but uh, excited. In fact, we have a disrespectful guest on today. <laughs> Uh, that we are very fortunate to have on uh, Spencer Davies. You know him on Twitter as Spin Davies. He works with Basketball News. Um, he's going to be coming on in a couple of minutes to talk about uh, the league's best young cores. The Basketball News folks uh, wrote an article on that a roundtable. And uh, Spencer was one of the dissidents who decided that the Suns' young core is not anything to recognize. Uh, but anyway, I'm giving him a hard time because he's in the back room. Um, let's go through real quick. Welcome everybody to the show. I appreciate you coming in just to get you caught up on what's happened, what's happened in case you've been out of the country, haven't been paying attention, whatever it is. The Suns started their preseason. They are one and one. They lost to the Kings basically playing nobody, um, on Monday. And then they beat the Lakers basically playing everybody on Wednesday, Uh, We're going to go deep into the observations we have from the regular season. But Zona, do you have any like uh, just just quick hits on what you saw in the uh, Monday or Wednesday games? A tease? Uh, Nothing too crazy. But, you know, I think preseason is always just um, there's going to be overreactions all the time. For me, I don't really care as long as everyone's healthy and they're getting reps together, especially with this team, with how familiar they already are. Um, Nothing really stands out other than couple of flashes like Cam Johnson's uh, step back jumper. Yes, please. Uh, more of that. And same with Mikel's mid range. Those are a couple of things I'm looking at, but yeah, overall it's, it's a preseason. So nothing too crazy. Yeah. I want to talk about Mikel. I want to talk about campaigns, floaters, stuff like that. We'll talk about that yeah. later on in the show. We've got a whole segment for that. Uh, but we've got our, uh, you know, you guys know our format by now. We got four quarters. In this show, the first quarter, we're going to talk about the best young cores in the league. I thought it was a really interesting article uh, put out in Basketball News, and I'll share the link with you in just a sec. Uh, Then we're going to talk about the GM survey results. NBA GMs around the league have decided or have predicted um, who's going to do well this year, who's, you know, who are the great acquisitions in the offseason, things like that. We're going to talk about how the Suns fared in that compared to last year and so, and so we can see what the, you know how the, how the GMs do basically on predicting the season. Uh, and then we're going to uh, go through our baller talk segment in segment three and then in the fourth quarter is when we do our preseason observations. what did we what have we learned from the Suns this week? 
that's that's our show for the day. Again, welcome everybody to the show. And now let's get into it. I want to add Spin Davies. So he is Spin Davies on Twitter. Good morning. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's it's more close to afternoon over by me, so I'm uh, very East refreshed. Coast. I got to sleep in a little bit today. <laughs> you guys will notice that um, our Saturday guests that we have on are almost always East Coast because nobody else wants to do an 8 a.m. podcast. <laughs> I had to talk Zona into it. <laughs> I don't blame them. I don't blame them. I'm not, I'm not an early riser, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm still trying our, to wake uh, up over here, but all good. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. Zona's like eight. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but we've got a we've got a pattern here. We've been doing this. Uh, me with different co-hosts have been doing this for about five years, uh, Spencer. At about this time, actually, we originally started doing it at seven a.m. because one of the co-hosts had a tiny tiny babies and uh, couldn't you know was that was the only hour of the day he could be distracted. And then another guy was East Coast, and he didn't want the rest of his day ruined, so he wanted it as early as possible. So it was actually 7 a.m. Arizona time. We moved it to 8 recently, and I just, I'm used to having a Saturday to myself to be able to do whatever I want. So we're still on 8 a.m. And all these flaming ballers, that's what we call our, our chatters on YouTube. We are live on YouTube right now. All the flaming ballers, they're used to us. And a lot of these guys are actually out of country and stuff like that. So good morning, everybody. See, uh, code JJM is from calling in from or logging on from New Jersey. Uh, Blaze Megatron, I can't remember where. I think Australia, maybe Blaze. Are you from Australia, Blaze? And then uh, we got several Australians as well. Although uh, this is like in the middle of the night for Australia, so big, big, huge props to you guys. Um, anyway, let's get into our first quarter. Um, do you want me to call you Spin or Spencer? Either one, my man. Either one. All, All right. Well, I'm going to call you Spin. Uh, spin. We got Zona. We got Spin, and I'm just Dave. Uh, so there you go, Blaze. You're from Melbourne. Wonderful. Um, so Spin, you guys, and I'm going to put the link in our chat so our YouTubers can follow along. Give me. Whoops. I just hit the wrong button. Great, Dave. What you doing? Here we go. All right basketballnews.com you guys got a bunch of great writers over there i follow your work um regularly um whenever you guys put something out i, I love the work you guys do and you guys did a round table and i actually found you did a round table in may on the best young cores in the league then you did another one just this week on the best young cores in the league and um, i'm gonna have to get nikias duncan nikias duncan is also part of basketball news i'm gonna have to get him on here because Nikias Duncan in May said the Suns had the best young core in the league. This was when they were blazing into the playoffs. And they made it all the way to the finals. And all of a sudden, Nikias is like, nah, they're not the best young core in the league anymore. <laughs> they're the most successful young core, but they're not the best. But um, anyway, I, 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 I liked Spencer's answer, and I thought I'd reach out to Spencer. Um, you, um, <clears throat> excuse me, did not pick the Suns either. This is best young core. I understand. You're probably going to say something like that. They were my 1A or something. But tell me, tell me why, Spencer, do you think that uh, you had said in, in your write-up, there's a number of teams that intrigue me around the NBA as far as youth movement is concerned. If you go 26 and under, you actually picked the Nuggets. The Nuggets who the Suns swept out of the playoffs. Tell me more. Talk to me. 
They did. They did. And let it be known, too, the criteria for young core is so kind of ambiguous and a little bit vague um, because when I think young core, I think one of two directions, uh, one of the teams that's in the lottery that's building. Uh, and in that case, I think of someone like the Thunder. I think of someone like uh, maybe even the Cavs here that I have in my hometown of Cleveland. Uh, but oh, young success. Hey is what it is. I grew up uh, in Erie, Pennsylvania, so I, I know what it's like. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Um, and then I think of young cores that are competing for a championship. And obviously the Suns fall under that category. The thing that, that held me back from that was that in some starting lineups and most starting lineups, you had Chris Paul and Jay Crowder. And those are two vets that are complementing your young core. Even if your young core is your best players, um, that's still there. In Denver, I don't see that. In Denver, I see a lot of guys who are literally in about to get to their prime. Guys who are 24, 25, 26. An MVP in Nikola Jokic, who's only 26. You have Jamal Murray, who's still uh, scratching the surface uh, and hopefully comes back from this injury uh, as good as he was. Michael Porter Jr. just signed a five-year, $207 million contract uh, extension. Uh, you know, you, you bring in more and more of these guys who are around that age, Aaron Gordon, who they went and got uh, last year, even though he wasn't built organically with the team uh, like Phoenix, which I, I appreciate because that's the old school way. Um, but still, it, I just look at kind of that all encompassing um, age group. Uh, that's just how I define it. Now, it doesn't have to be how you define it. You can say, screw you, man. You, they got to the finals last year and almost won. Uh, you know, you have got Devin Booker, you've got Mikel Bridges, you've got Cam Johnson, uh, DeAndre Ayton. That's a lot. That's a great young core. Uh, they're just complimented a, a little bit by the vets that were a part of that team. That's just how I look at it. It's not saying that the Suns don't have an amazing young core because they do. Uh, and you bring up Nikias, and I think this is interesting because of what the Hawks did in their giant leap last year. They went from not being into the playoffs to going to the damn Eastern Conference Finals. So that also probably plays a factor in what his decision was. Like maybe that was something he didn't see coming before the season started. Uh, and then you, you've got, you know, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter. Uh, you know, we got Cam Reddish trying to come uh, back into his own after some injuries and some rotational inconsistencies. So, you know, that shoot, I didn't even mention John Collins. Like th there's a lot to pick from. Um but that's probably the way I would explain it on my end. I don't know. I don't want to speak for everybody else uh, as a part no, of the basketballnews.com team, but that's my explanation. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think it's very subjective in general when talking about young cores because there's different, like you mentioned, there's rebuilding teams. There's teams that are kind of stuck in the middle, like the Grizzlies and Pelicans, where they're sort of trying to win, but it's also still building. And then you got the top tier teams. And to me, it's like uh, Denver, Atlanta, and Phoenix are all that like main group that I would put in like its zone tier, basically just because of how good they already are. They all have someone that I think can run, be the engine to an offense, um, whether it's Jokic, Booker, or Trey Young, and then they have the complementary pieces. And to me, it's like the second piece is probably the second most important thing. Obviously the engine's the most important thing, but you look at like Jamal Murray or DeAndre and, and then the Hawks with Atlanta, the reason I'm a little bit skeptical um, to put them on Denver and Phoenix would just be because of they have good, they have great depth, but is someone going to be that second option? That's that's where I kind of uh, hold draw the line a little bit with them. But I get it; like they have a really great uh, young core with a lot of pieces that could emerge into that. But I'm not that high on John Collins to be like a solid number two that could you know really move the needle. Um, 
love DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, Herter, all those guys. So, uh, you know, they're great, but I think Phoenix's core is just built a little bit better for like the long run. And I think complement each other a little bit better than Atlanta's where theirs is kind of a little bit all over the place, but um, I definitely get it. I get the argument for them. And I think, uh, you know, age kind of gets a little bit overrated too, not uh, taking Atlanta out of the, the con- situation, but uh, yeah, I think age and, any young core is a little bit overrated just because it's like the idea of players can be dangerous uh, instead of like getting tangible results. So yeah, it's a very multi-layered nuanced discussion. So it's, it's always interesting to bring it up. You guys are great for posting that. (laughs) And it's, and it's funny because Dave knows this. Uh, I think it was in January. My first interview of the season was actually with Mikel Bridges. And we talked about a lot of the stuff (laughs) that, um, you know, he's doing actually in the preseason, you mentioned the mid range there before I, I came in. Uh, that's something yeah. that he has worked on putting the ball on the floor. Uh, just that kind of mid post uh, shoot over the, 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 the guy, because his damn arms are so long, uh, you oh, know, man. like he's, yeah. he's like inspector an inspector gadget. gadget. Yeah. Yep. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly what, what he reminds me of uh, the warden as uh, some of your fans called mm-hmm. him, I guess. Yeah. Um, great guy, by the way. Love, love Mikel is good. Good people. Yeah. That was I a love great Chris Paul calls him one of his kids. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I was just saying that was a great interview. You guys should go check that out if you can. You know, basketball yeah. news, they're killing it. I think I think it still holds up too because, I mean, it's pretty much the same team. <laughs> so, yeah. um, But it's funny because you were talking about age. I was laughing. One of our uh, new newsline editor, um, headline guys, uh, Alexander Cohen, actually said <laughs> – if we're talking about young cores and just like what the best you know talent is, then by default it's the Mavericks because they have Luca. <laughs> it was like, well, that's one guy. But then he mentioned right. uh, the Spurs, um, and I tend to kind of agree with him too that they have a lot of intriguing pieces: Keldon Johnson, Dejounte Murray. You know, they they bring in uh, you know a, a bunch of guys that they're trying to find minutes for, which I still think is a little bit of a logjam there, but. Um, I, I like their Those young are guys great too. Actually, examples. I want to talk about that for a little bit. Those are excellent examples because the Spurs have a collection of really playable talent. As um, as Code JJM says, Atlanta has a bunch of Cam Johnsons. I feel like the Spurs also have a bunch of, which means, uh, or Mikel Bridges's, which means they've got some really good players. But are any of them going to be perennial all stars? I don't know, and I don't think so. I think Dejounte on, Murray could be. I think that's probably and, I mean, and God, it's so tough in this league. I mean, it is. Devin it is. Booker barely became an all star. It's all. Injuries. It's all situationally based too. Like, yeah. I mean, you you could probably you know maybe think that Keldon Johnson could get there. I mean, you just look at the guys that made the Team USA Select team. Uh, you know, got a part of that roster and stuff like that. Um, it's not easy to predict. It really isn't because it is all situationally based. Yeah, absolutely. And then on the other end, you mentioned the Mavericks. They have one guy because you really can't. I mean, I don't know. I guess is KP considered young anymore. Uh, um, uh, I think for the same reason, people don't consider Devin Booker young anymore, even though he's still technically 24 for a couple more weeks. Um because he's been in the league so long. I feel like KP has been in the news for so long that it's impossible to call him young anymore, even though he still is kind of, um, but they basically have Luca. So is a best young core, the team with the best individual young talent or is the best young core, 
the team with the best collection of guys under a certain age who will be in their rotation regardless of how many wins they have? That's a big question. I think I think it's the collection personally. That that's my definition of it. Whoever meshes the best, uh, whoever finds that chemistry, whoever can go out there, and even if they're not getting you know wins on a nightly basis, um, you can see that growth. And that that's not part of the answer that I had for the the roundtable. The roundtable is just kind of an un- encompassing of individual talent and the core together. Uh, but in the case of you know, rebuilding squads, like that's what I want to see. I want to see that kind of uh, growth in the, in the team aspect, in the, the, as a unit aspect. Um, if I'm at least evaluating talent of a team is you might not have, you know, the, the best individual talent, like three guys that are like, like you said, like perennial all-stars, but making the pieces fit, you know, putting the puzzle pieces together. That I think is the most important part. And that's what the Suns did really uh, last yeah. year and in, in, in the bubble. Brandon. Yeah. Sarah? Pieces fitting together. I think is very important for, for any young core. Like um, I'll keep using Denver and Phoenix as like the prime examples. Like you look at Jokic and Murray, their two man game is, uh, is beautiful together. And I think that their chemistry they've developed kind of gives them an edge over a lot of teams. And, Look at Phoenix. They have the, the engine of their offense in Booker. They have the anchor to their defense in Aiden and the complementary glue guys like Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson. So um, finding that perfect balance and fit is also very important. And it just goes back to like kind of my earlier point. I think people get too caught up in the idea of like what someone could be um, mm-hmm. rather than looking at like how they actually fit on a roster and like what the end product's going to look like. Because, you know, what Phoenix and Atlanta did is what every young core is trying to do. Yep. Um, and they've already done that pretty much. Like, I mean, obviously you want to win a championship, but uh, making a run uh, that deep, like while your team's that young is, is very impressive. And it just shows too how long it takes for it to come together. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and a lot of these executives and, you know, higher ups, owners, they don't have the patience. And when they see teams like that take the leap in year three or year four, then the, the another team that's in that position, uh, you know, two years prior, is you know kind of getting the panic button hit and then they start all over again and that's how you get into this you know cycle. vicious cycle yeah. of, of bad rebuild teams. The rebuild yeah. exactly exactly so you have to stick with it like there's no way you can do it in two years uh, three years is even asking a lot um but i think that is something too that we need to take to pay attention to is the impatience of a lot of these executives that want to win so badly that they tinker too much instead of just let it be, let it be natural, you know, develop all that stuff. Yeah. I want to chew on that for a little bit, Spencer. We got some comments in the chat though, but I want to go back to the impatience in a sec, but I want to recognize the folks in our chat, um, Code JJM says the Hornets Young Corps is exciting. absolutely. What do you think about the Hornets Young Corps? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, and you know, you add to it because I, I still consider Terry Rozier young. Um, I think that uh, Lamelo Ball is really something special, um, and I think uh, more you know, special just, than I ever thought he was going to be in the league. You, you know, uh, I just kind of oh, kept an great. open mind there. I didn't pay any mind to you know any of the outside noise and. Uh, you know, taking half court shots in the middle of an AU game. He was just messing around. I didn't think that that was going to be him, but I also didn't think he was going to be this good. Um, you know, you, you add in Miles Bridges, uh, I think PJ Washington 
we'll see what his role is this year because it might be a little fluctuating. Um, but again, I don't know if I would consider this a young core because they do have those pieces like Gordon Hayward there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they bring in someone like Kelly Oubre, who you could still consider young too, I guess. But um, I, they could definitely be in the argument for it, I think. Um, but I, I, I do like the Hornets. I think they're going to be very exciting this year. And yeah. there was a question about oh, – I'm sorry, Zona, go please. Oh, no, I was going to say they're definitely a league pass team for me. They're going to be a lot of fun with Lamelo slinging it to all those like you know high flyers. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, Lamelo is someone I was very high on. Adam is my number one in his own tier. So glad that's worked that's out. That's right. Me. Smart. Um, Pat yourself. <laughs> exactly. I get a lot of stuff wrong in the draft, so I'll take that one. Um, yeah, fair enough. But yeah, that, that team's that team's a lot of fun. Their announcers are crazy, and like the jerseys and everything. Like it's going to be a very fun team to watch. Yeah, they're going to be one of those league pass teams, you know. You just got to it's it's fun to watch them. In fact, I probably should go out of my way to watch them when they're not playing the Suns, so I'm not frustrated uh, <laughs> because every team that plays them is going to think they should beat them, and they're going to win more than they lose, and so that's mm-hmm. going to leave a lot of teams frustrated this year. Um, there was another question about the Bulls. I don't know about that being a young core anymore. What do you do? You guys consider that? Um, as a young mm. core or just a new core, really? Uh, it's yeah, that's just more of a new core. You know, obviously the free agency uh, period for them was quite f- fruitful. Uh, you go and sign and trade for Demar Derozan. You sign and trade for, uh, you know, obviously Lonzo Ball. Uh, bring in Alex Caruso. Uh, Lonzo and Alex, you know, they're young. Um, you, you think that Zach Levine is young too, uh, but Vooch isn't getting any younger he's probably right in his prime honestly but he's past that age that that i consider um a part of a young core i think he's somewhere around 27 28 um i would assume so at least he has he has been in the league for quite a while actually now that i think about it but um, (laughs) no you're right i think he's 28 yeah yeah so um that yeah that's more new core um that's just probably not in the the mix of of the types of teams that we're talking about here uh, let's go back to the Suns real quick. So um, the Suns, they have as their second or first best player, Devin Booker, 24 years old. Uh, he is a two-time All-Star now, however you want to. Look, there's a lot of people explaining away some things uh, with the Suns. I'm going to get to my point here in, in a couple of seconds. But basically, you've got Devin Booker, two-time All-Star now. You've got DeAndre Ayton, former number one overall pick, who uh, carried a team, still just 22 years old, carried a pay team. Pay the man, pay the man, pay the man. Yeah, carried a team to the final. Carried, defensively, carried the Suns to the finals. They never would have made, they would have been the Blazers without, you know, Aiden, which means you're going to get swept by somebody earlier than you should. Um, I really think so. And there's no knock against Devin Booker. I just feel like DeAndre Ayton had that much of an impact. And then you got Mikel Bridges, 24. You got... Um, Cam Johnson, who's about 48, but really is 25 in, in <laughs> calendar years. Um, you, they've got a really good young core, but Spencer, what you're saying is that you would discount them because they're not an entirely young core, right? You're saying, well, they've got the veterans. They've got Chris Paul, all NBA, uh, fifth Jay in Crowder. MVP voting. Jay mm-hmm. Crowder. Uh, those were about the only two vets they had, but they were in, in very impactful vets. Correct. And that, yes. for that reason, you would take them out of the top couple, three. Where I mean, they're the still they're, they're still in my top couple. 
<laughs> I mean, it's okay. just one edged out the other. Um, when I look at the Nuggets too now, like they're like only vets like Will Barton, and they just signed Jeff Green. But like, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, actually, like that, they're, they're that's, that's what I'm thinking. Yes, yeah. their full core is all like under 26. So that's yeah. what I looked at when I picked them. So don't kill me. You got Denver. You got Atlanta. <laughs> Look, I, I I can I can go with that. Certainly, we all know that the Suns would not have gone as far in the, gotten the wins they had in the regular season. Chris Paul was hurt in the playoffs, but he still led them all the way through that sweep of Denver, your, mm-hmm. your top young core. Um, even though they're without Murray, the MVP should have been able to win some game, you know, at least one game. So I no, think 100%. the Suns should be given credit for that series with or without Murray. They should. And by no means also, before we go forward, does this not mean that I think that the Suns are a worse team than the Nuggets? Just just a disclaimer. Just a right, disclaimer. right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, where would you put the Suns' young core, Zona? Um, I'd probably have them in Denver in that same tier. Uh, Atlanta just below them. And then there's a pretty sizable gap. As far as how I rate young cores, it's a little bit different. But if we're talking like rebuilding teams, then it's a whole different conversation. But um, right now, I think I'd give the edge to, to Phoenix over Denver, just in terms of I think there's a little bit more upside. Um, obviously, Denver, Michael Porter Jr. has upside as well, so can't really discount him. But I think Jokic and Murray have been in the league a lot longer than some of these other guys and uh, Bridges and Johnson. I think, especially Mikel, like I think just because he's kind of known as like a three and D guy. Like his upside gets underrated a little bit. Um, obviously, there's it remains to be seen if he puts it together offensively, the consistency and uh, adding that mid range. But if he if he really ends up being a reliable, you know, second third option offensively, then I think that elevates Phoenix to um, a perennial title contender just because of what they have in place there. So um, yeah, I definitely I get the Denver argument for sure. Um, they have a very good core and obviously an MVP to lead it, and I think that's probably the most important thing when building a core is like how good is your top player how far can he carry you so that's why for me it's like phoenix booker uh denver Jokic, and, and atlanta trey those are just the three clear front runners for me yeah i i totally agree uh fabio has a great comment in the chat the lakers are the best young core because that makes me feel uh not so old <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the lakers young core there uh spencer uh, I think the Lakers going out and getting Malik Monk and Kendrick Nunn was a great move for their depth. Uh, otherwise, probably not so young. Just a little <laughs> bit, t- teeny bit veteran, teeny bit Rajon experience. Rondo was joking about how he feels young. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. All right. Um, as far as the okay, now I want to get back to the uh, impatience part. Mm-hmm. So. What I feel like is is the Suns, and this will lead into the GM, the general manager survey results. Um, I feel like the Suns, at while at the same at, at the same time, the Suns took forever to rebuild. It took them ten years to get back to the playoffs. But I also feel like at the same time, these general managers and other teams are pissed that the Suns didn't have to suffer playoff losses until the finals like uh, every team has to you know has to has to cut its teeth on 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 playoff losses utah losing four years in a row um in weird ways and and not weird ways but in disappointing ways portland always coming up short um 
You've got Milwaukee coming up short for four years in a row until they broke through to the finals. How is it that the Suns were able to break, go all the way to the final? Well, it must be a joke. It must be fake. It must be all the other teams were just too injured. It must be that luck was on their side. All these must be's and, and, now what's happening is is uh, the Suns are not being predicted to have the same success in year two. Uh, Spencer, as an outsider, as somebody who doesn't live in the Phoenix area, live, breathe, eat the Suns and all that, what do you think are the Suns' chances this year? Well, they kept it together, and there's still continuity, and you still brought back everybody, essentially. So I, I think – Maybe the the only place I could see a regression is maybe off the bench because Tory Craig's over in, in Indiana now. Maybe that's it, you know. But I think that them getting this experience the way that they did, uh, they're going to have a, a taste in their mouth that they don't like. And, uh, you know, they've got, obviously, the pieces to get back to where they came from. Uh, I don't think that it was a fluke. I hate you know, the what if scenario that always kind of, you know, grinds my gears a little bit because it didn't happen. So why do we talk about hypotheticals? You know, um, regardless of who was in front of them, they play the guys in front of them and they beat the guys in front of them. Uh, some of them very handily. <laughs> so um, I, I don't think that there's a room for any kind of regression. I think that Monty Williams is an amazing head coach. I think that Chris Paul is somebody whose attitude has kind of just, domino affected down to the younger guys. And now the younger guys know what it feels like to play in meaningful games. Um, so you can't be, you know, you put that together with what they're able to do on the floor individually. And now you have this team that's, that's really bonded and is together. Uh, they're as dangerous as anybody. I don't, I don't take any like, you know, thing away from them because the Lakers added seven players and the Nets added, you know, three players like, I still think that the Suns are contenders. I mean, but I think a lot of teams are contenders. That's just that's just how I am. I think that the league is very talented. That's that's just how I feel. Talented this year. That's how Zona. I feel. Yeah. yeah, Zona. What do you think? Where are the Suns? No, that's well put. And I think the one thing that, like, I would get the hesitation from like the general NBA population if the Suns were like a six or seven seed last year and then had that run, like that fortunate run to the finals. I would get it. But this is a team that had the second best record in the NBA. Um, They're, you know, since including the bubble last year, uh, bubble playoffs, regular season in this last postseason, they're 73 and 29, which is by far the best record. It's a 71.5 win percent uh, over the course of 102 games. So, like, I just don't get the whole, like, they have to prove it mentality that I've seen uh, kind of thrown around. Um, And to your point, Dave, I think cutting the line in a sense did anger some teams because it's like you have to serve your time you have to go through these playoff battles and the Suns just kind of their first time making the playoffs in a decade they just get this like run to the finals and it probably pissed some people off so I think that could be part of it as well but yeah I think like Spencer said there's a lot of contenders this year I think it's wide open there's not especially in the west um you know the, the Clippers aren't going to magically get healthy they're they're going to be battling with the quiet thing all year um Denver with Jamal Murray so to me, it's like Lakers, Jazz, and Suns are like those top three in the West right now in the regular season. And then come playoff time, it's going to be interesting to see how those teams stack up. And I love them bring, bringing in uh, JaVale McGee and, and Landry Shamit too. I forgot to mention that. JaVale, I spent some time here with Cleveland with last year before he got traded over to Denver. And that dude's a pro's pro. Um, and talking about backing up someone like Aiden, that's a perfect fit. 
And then you can always use shooting. You all know that too uh, with, with Landry. And he did some really solid defensive things for Brooklyn too last year in the postseason. So uh, good addition. Well, and the Suns are going to actually unlock his playmaking a little bit too. He was a point guard in college mm-hmm. that uh, he was basically profiled as a JJ Redick type in the pros. And, and you know, it may be that, that who, that's who he is. After three years, nobody gave him a different role. So maybe that's the only role he has. But in the first two preseason games, he's shown that he does have some passing ability. The Suns play a, a 0.5 offense, which means you got to make a decision within half a second. What are you going to do? You're going to shoot, you're going to pass, you're going to drive. And um, it needs, you know, you got to be able to make quick decisions. And Landry Shamit uh, shows that he's, he's already shown he can fit into that kind of role. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. The thing is, his problem is that he's not big enough. And he's not big enough to defend in the playoffs, the bigger players, and he's not quick enough necessarily to defend the point guards. Plus they have Chris Paul out there anyway, um, who's got to take some of the smaller guys or, or less offensively um, talented guys. So at this point in his career, so um, I don't know about playoff Landry, but I think regular season Landry can be very helpful to the Suns. Playoff JaVale can really be helpful to the Suns. So let's go into the GM survey results. Um, The GMs, Every year, NBA.com surveys all the general managers. I've heard it's not always the the general manager who takes these surveys. Sometimes they delegate it to their assistant general GM or just do this for me. I'm, I'm, or, I'm going to a steak. To I'm going to a steak dinner. You do this for me, assistant yeah. GM. I've heard, I've heard the same on on the um, uh, on the reserves for the All Star game. It's not always the head coaches themselves who make those picks. It's sometimes they give it to an assistant coach. <laughs> but anyway, it's front offices. The other NBA front offices voted, and uh, like they will every year, they predicted that the most talented team will win the finals. Last year, eighty percent of the GMs picked the Lakers to win the finals because they had won the finals the year before. This year. They're predicting that the Brooklyn Nets, 72% of the respondents picked the Brooklyn Nets, 17% say the Lakers, 10% say the, unfortunately for the Bucks, who won the finals. Are I was going to say, you talk about you guys getting disrespected. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about, about, yeah. The, about the, the Bucks champs. are getting it too. Yeah. Oh my God. Exactly. The two finals per, uh, participants who still have all their players. Mm-hmm. Are not even close. They got 10% total. Oh, uh, the Suns, I think, got 7% or something like that, or they got um, mentioned. Anyway, what do you guys think? Obviously, do you, do you uh, can you disagree? Do you think the, the Nets and Lakers have the best chance? Spencer. Well, you know, I, I always hate making predictions for, for this reason because, you, you know, you go through the course of an 82 game season. We're back to 82 this year. Um, and there are just so many factors that can happen. Like, did anyone predict that LeBron would get hurt last year in the middle of the season? Did anyone predict that, you know, Anthony Davis would go down? Uh, they, they could never stay on the floor together. I think when they're on the floor together, um, this also might take some time too with Russ being a part of that um, core now. Uh, I'm interested to see who handles the off-ball duties more um, because, you know, we know that LeBron's so good with the ball in his hands, but he has been yeah. shooting a lot um, over the last few seasons. Um I really you know, don't like I, that hit in the playoffs. I just don't like it's, it. It's I was gonna say I have to see it first. I have to see it first before I even, you know. Uh and I mean all of it, like all the talent together. Same, you know, goes for the Nets. I think they played nine games together, the big three last year, like including playoffs. Like it that's tough. It's tough to like I can't evaluate what I can't see. 
you can obviously put the most talented guys together. And yes, that is like an amazing scoring combo that they have. And, and they do pass like that's a definitely a, a misconception as well. Uh, but I need to sure. see it. I need to see it uh, more than, you know, at least probably 20 games to at least make a, a, a logical, um, you know, kind of inference from it. So, I mean, yeah, obviously the Nets and the Lakers are, are the favorites because of the talents that they have on their team. Um, but I think the Suns and Bucks are getting very much so um, a, a lot of, yeah, yeah say, on, right by. Pat yeah. on the head. Yeah. Jonah, what do you, what do you got? Uh, I agree. The Bucks are definitely getting a lot of disrespect too. Uh, Giannis as well, just in some of like the individual player talks I've seen, seems like he's still somehow getting uh, underrated or underappreciated. But yeah, I think uh, Brooklyn, if they're healthy, they're going to win it all. Like that's that's my take. I think they're just too talented not to. But that's a huge question mark. Like, can all three of those guys actually stay healthy? They're um, deep too. Like bringing yeah. in Patty Mills was a great move. Loved that. Really good move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to me, they're they're the clear favorites. If like in a perfect world where everyone's healthy, um, Lakers the fit. Like you mentioned, I need to see it. I'm not a huge fan of that fit uh, with Westbrook. But uh, you know, talent is talent, and they're just trying to out talent people right now. Um, and then that next group of teams, I think is all, it's just so wide open. So, um, you know, and injuries are a huge factor as well. We'll see what happens with Kawhi and Jamal Murray. Um, but yeah, for me, it's like, like you mentioned, let's see what happens. It's, it's way too hard to predict that far in the future. Well, the Lakers have so many hall of famers on their team. They've got to win. Right. I mean, that's right. It doesn't matter how old in like 2013. Yeah. <laughs> They were the all-star team in 2014, I think it was. 13, 14, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Them and the Nets have all, you know, oh, I, I, yeah, yeah. The Lakers and the Nets have all of the starters from the 2014 all-star game, both, both conferences, except wow. for Chris Paul. Wow. That's incredible. Chris Paul is the only exception. In fact, I, I even looked at the reserve. They have more than half the reserves as well from 2014, though. That was eight years ago by next playoffs. I want to know how Vogel chops up that rotation. There's just like so many guys at the same position. Like, and I mean, obviously Ariza just got, got hurt. So that kind of makes things a little easier to decide, but like, you know, Mello, Baysmore, um, you know, some of the, the younger guys, Wayne Ellington, I know they're going to want to shoot around the floor at all times. So they've, they've got some decisions to make as far as rotation goes. They have DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Howard, uh, which is interesting. Like they, they've got they've got some some interesting rotational uh, things to figure out. What I thought was interesting is in a preseason game in which he was available and played twenty minutes, DeAndre Jordan uh, against the Suns on on Wednesday. Um, DeAndre Jordan played all with the backups, and he played all the fourth quarter. I mean, if he's really a key guy, do you play him all the fourth quarter when you're down 30 in a preseason game? <laughs> That's a good question. <clears throat> yeah. That's a good question. Insurance <laughs> policy. Other, yeah. <laughs> my other question on the Lakers is, you look at all those guys they added, um, and maybe this is just me being a Laker hater, but any of the any of the guys they, the, the Lakers added, will their last year's team really miss them? Portland will miss Mello. Mello, I think they gave up 150 points a quarter on defense yeah. with him. Yeah. 
<laughs> they still needed it. They still needed him spotting up they, shooting. Okay, threes. okay, Mello. I th- right. Maybe, maybe Miami. Maybe. Malik, I know in in Charlotte, Malik Monk got very inconsistent playing time, which was yeah. dumb. He he should have been weird. playing a lot more. Um, but maybe Kendrick Nunn. You know, he was spot starting, coming off the bench for them. He would disappear um, from the rotation for long periods of time. He would, and then he'd play 30 minutes. Like, yeah. it was a really weird situation. Really weird that? situation. Yeah, yeah. Their depth chart's very strange. So that's going to yeah. be a storyline to watch on some. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Among the players, uh, you talked about, uh, again, disrespect. Last year's um, MVP winner, by a landslide, Nikola Jokic didn't get – uh, listed among those who should win the MVP in 21-22 by the GMs. Not even top three, huh? Nope. It's Kevin Durant with 37%, Luka Doncic 33%, Giannis 13 which is also ridiculous because he won the two prior MVPs, and he yeah. just scored 50 points in a closeout game in the finals. Joel Embiid, James Harden, and Seth Curry. We're, it's interesting. I feel that... bad for the Denver fans. <laughs> I, it's interesting that KD and Harden are on that list when they play together because yeah. the, the typical thought would be, how can you be MVP when you have like two MVPs on your team? You know, I, I like, I guess that's how I would look at it. Like is LeBron anywhere on that list? Like, I don't um, know. I've only, I, I only grabbed the top six that got like the percentages. I didn't see, I didn't grab the honorable mentions or otherwise. And, it, I mean, again, th- how we define these awards, it just drives me insane that yeah. some of these contract incentives are are tied to that because, like, yeah. it, again, it's very ambiguous. It's very vague um, and subjective. Uh, I feel like awards shouldn't be sh- subjective. Um, yeah. It's very difficult to, um, you know, narrow things down. But this is preseason at least. Uh, but when it comes to actually picking the awards, I do not envy uh, you know, the people that have votes, I don't have a vote. I mean, I, yeah. and I also don't want to be responsible for, you know, pissing somebody off, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's, that's whether it's fans or whether it's a player, like that's just, I feel like there needs to be a better system of award picking and stuff like that, but that's another conversation for another day. <laughs> no, it's, it's definitely too narrative driven. And I feel like the goalposts just like move like every year. So mm-hmm. I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, let's see, player you want to start your franchise with today. I mean, Giannis is only 26 years old, people are forgetting, I think. And he just won the finals. He got 40% of the vote, but Luka Doncic got 43%. Okay, I mean, that's look, close. Man, look, Luka, great, great player. But can you please win a freaking playoff series before you're called the guy that you should build your franchise around? Dallas can he not play that. the Clippers this year? Can we try to make that happen? Can it not be the Clippers this year? That's literally his only playoff experience. How about just he has the talent to beat the team in front of him? It's only been the Clippers. <laughs> it's only been the Clippers. Um, let me ask you this. In that in that particular poll, building a franchise around, does that mean for that season or does that mean for a franchise? Because that's yeah, a probably. really tough – Again, we're asking ourselves questions when it's not a straightforward uh, yes or no type – of situation again it's very subjective these things like that's why i think it ruffles feathers because you don't know how someone's going to interpret something and that's yeah. why i hate well, these but it's funny that these are there's only 30 gms in the entire league yeah only 30 of them yep 
you would think that they would have some kind of consensus on how they'll vote for something. If that's really it. I mean, I could see fans getting all up in their feels and players getting all up in their feels, but GMs are, I don't know. I feel like they should know better. They do it on purpose. They do it on purpose. They want to revel feathers. It was the 20th anniversary of the survey too. So (laughs) this is how they get their, their opinions out there. And then, how they, maybe they're motivating their own players. You can see a GM picking against one of their guys, like like trying, and then the, one of the guys sees it and be like, "What? Well, what the hell?" And uh, he's got some motivation extra because of a survey. It probably didn't happen, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it All seems right. like every year they always age pretty poorly. So I think it's just yeah. you have to remember they're humans too. Um, obviously, they have a lot more information than us, but you know, I'm sure they're not sitting down taking it like at some like you know huge quiz that they're spending hours on so no they're not they're definitely not spending hours too much yeah yeah exactly we're probably spending more time analyzing talking about it put together to vote on them (laughs) all right uh i'm just gonna go over a couple of more and then we're gonna then we're gonna go to our our next segment um best point guard in the nba chris paul tied for fourth with lebron james i thought it was interesting steph curry got 57 percent He's not a pure point guard, but he's a dang, he's, he's incredible and unstoppable. Damian Lillard, Luka Doncic, and LeBron James and Chris Paul tied their uh, best shooting guard in the NBA. Devin Booker is now considered by the other rival GMs the second best shooting car, shooting guard in the NBA. What do you guys think of that? Is the Behind first James, James Harden? Harden? Is that? Yeah. Okay. Mm, see, like, I don't think that James Harden's a shooting guard. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. is it where they start in the lineup at one, two, three, four, five, or, or is it who what they, they actually do? <laughs> like, like you just said, Steph Curry's more of a, a shooting point guard, more than mm-hmm. somebody who's a, who's a setup guy. But he starts at the one. So what is it? Which one is it? Like, just yeah. put this, like, make it clear for me what I'm trying to decide. Um, I mean, I would take James Harden over Devin Booker, no offense, but I would also consider Devin Booker a shooting guard, whereas James Harden's basically played the point, setting other guys up, picking pops, high handoffs. Devin's actually started to do that, um, but I would still consider him a shooting guard, secondary playmaker. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, definitely. And yeah, positions are always going to be like that. I feel like it's. The NBA is so, still so traditional. I mean, they're mm-hmm. in some ways they're they're innovative, but other ways they're like still stuck in like the Stone Age. And I feel like positions are just like very annoying topic for me too. So I totally feel you on that. Well, if you look at the survey, they have like Luka Doncic at small forward and power and point yeah, guard. They yeah, have yeah. Kevin Durant at small forward and, and power forward. They have Giannis, I think, for small forward, power forward, and center. Well, apparently like, they didn't. It's not like voting. Lines. Right, 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 right. It's not like the end of year voting where they had to yeah. pick one position for each guy. Because yeah. Luka Doncic came in third in both shooting guard and point guard. See, that's stupid. <laughs> Split the vote. Stupid. <laughs> Luka's never played the two in his career. It's like well, he's either started the, the three other or started argument the one. Is you are who you defend, <clears throat> which would make Luka Doncic a power forward. Um, so it's, it's mind boggling, dude. It's mind boggling. Oh God. It just makes me angry. <laughs> all right. Uh, we are already at 47 minutes. I've got to do our, 
our sponsor commercial, and then we got to move on to baller talk and, and preseason observations. Spin, Spencer, thank you so much for joining us today. I very much appreciate your input. This has been a really enjoyable conversation. Thank you. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. You too. All right. Okay. So, whoops. I'm still here. I did the wrong <laughs> thing. Wow. Subbed out. I did the wrong. There we go. I think I got it right this time. Yep. All right. Zona, I'm going to do something new today, and I hope I don't really screw it up. We actually have Manscaped back as a sponsor. Can you believe it? They, we had one week they couldn't live without us. They just couldn't live without us. So um, you guys in the chat, everybody is just so lucky that we are going to – look, Manscaped's a good product. We've been having a little bit too much fun with it. I think we're going to take it a little bit more seriously because, you know, dating is serious. Feeling good about yourself is serious. So I'm going to read, I'm going to live read the ad, and we're just going to play a silent movie in the background that John Voida, Darth Voida, your favorite Other Sons podcaster put together for me. And I'm going to read through this ad, and you guys are going to buy this product at the end of the ad. And I really appreciate you guys doing it. So let me try and make this work because I'm going to play the video and talk through it. And uh, here we go. All right. Attention ballers. Basketball is back. Ben Simmons has 76 problems this season, but you can have none with our friends over at Manscaped. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to keep their front and backcourt polished all year long. Trim with their new lawnmower 4.0, which is included in the performance package 4.0, and watch the hair fade away. Get 20% off. <clears throat> 20% off plus free shipping. With the code Flaming Ballers at Manscaped.com. You can see on the video here, Flaming Ballers at Manscaped.com. And you can get 20% off plus free shipping. It's not raining threes, it's drizzling threes. Okay. Um, get 20% off and free shipping with the code Flaming Ballers at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping. At flaming ball at manscaped.com with code flaming ballers. It's time to take care of your bricks this season. All right, there we go. How are we doing? Did you guys all hear that? Y'all heard that really well? I hope everybody said it, heard it. Seems yes. like they're loving it. All right, good. Go buy the product. Go buy the product. It really is good. Everybody needs a little bit of control. Okay. Let's move on to our third segment. Our third segment is Baller Talk. And this is where I let you guys ask us questions. You guys tell us what do you actually want to – so says Jay. Look, Justin, I think you have some issues. Every week you have issues with the Manscaped ad. I think you just need to buy one, Justin. Figure it out. Your wife will love you for it, okay? Um, and and otherwise, you know, just, just trust us. Just trust me. Okay, <clears throat> we are going to move on to this Flaming Baller Talk sec segment. You guys get to ask us questions. Zona and I will um, answer whatever questions you've got, and we'll also read off your hot takes if you want. I'll share, the, share your hot takes. We do have a hot take 
today that we got from one of our favorite ballers. And I just got to find it here. We have a hot take from, here we go. Code JJM, in one of the comments under our YouTube uh, uh, video the other day, Code JJM says he has a hot take, and so that means he wants it shared on the air. His hot take is that fans will be screaming for Monty to start JaVale McGee over Aiton within 30 games. What do you think about that, Brandon? Definitely a hot take. Uh, I'll give him that. Uh, I don't see it happening. Obviously, that's uh, something that could happen maybe like situationally from time to time in a game where JaVale's just killing it and maybe DeAndre's in foul trouble or out of rhythm or just having an off night. I could see it from time to time. I mean, Dario closed out some games last year, so it's a possibility from like night to night, but saying he's going to take a starting spot or people are going to be calling for him to take a starting spot, pretty bold. Uh, definitely disagree, but that's why it's a hot take. That's why it's a hot take. Now, I looked at that one, and I'm like, we've got to talk about this. We've got to talk about this. And what's going to happen is, and, and Code JJM is is here now in the chat. Love you, man. Um, it happened with Holmes and with Baines. Um, it happened. It didn't happen with Sharch because he wasn't quite as effective last year as he had been in the, in the year before. But um, I, I hear what you're saying. JaVale McGee might have a couple of really impactful games, a few impactful games. Uh, and Aiton may be going through one of his slumps where he's not really paying attention for a little while. He does that. And there will be people who say, God, you know what? Maybe we should be giving JaVale McGee the ball a little bit more, giving him more minutes out there. He's going to look really good with Chris Paul on diving to the rim. Chris Paul won't have to yell at JaVale as much as he yells at Aiton. Um, but the Suns won't be a better team for it. I don't think there's any way. In fact, it's obvious that there's no way the Suns are a better team for it. But that wasn't Code JJM's point. His, co his point was people will be asking for McGee to start to send um, uh, DeAndre Aiden a message. And maybe that's true. Maybe it'll happen. You know what? It'll be an excellent season if we don't do that. Right? I mean, there's yeah. only a couple of guys you say you'll never say to give them a break. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, doesn't matter what kind of stretch they're going through, no one's going to say to bench those guys, okay? Everyone else is kind of up for grabs. People are already talking about Cam Johnson taking minutes over, over Jay Crowder. Um, if Mikel Bridges goes through a slump where he's scoring five points a game for a couple of weeks, guess what? A lot of people are going to say, give Cam the ball. You know, these kind of things are going to happen. So I, I don't think uh, Aiton is, is – um, someone who will not who is who is immune to that just because he had such a great uh year in the playoffs doesn't mean he's going to be great all 82 games of the season yeah no and i think it's a good thing if Aiden's not uh you know if that conversation never comes up that means he's done something well so um you know he's still young so i think there will be those lapses where it's, if it's like a road game against like the Cavs or orlando or some bad team where maybe he's like taking a night off. Um, but if it's a consistent thing, then that's something you should be worried about. I don't think it will be. Um, JaVale is definitely going to have those moments. So we already saw it just in that last, last Lakers game where, you know, he's really impressing fans. So yeah, like you mentioned with, with Paul and Booker, they're not going to come out and we're, we're hoping Aiden gets to that level where it's like, you need this guy and you just got to rely on him.
I muted myself. Hey, Flaming Ballers. Um, that was that was the one question I got uh, before the show started. Do you guys have any other questions for us? Anything else you want us to cover before we get into preseason observations? I don't think I saw anything else in the chat. Will Landry Shamit take Devin Booker's starting spot? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Will we be asking for Landry Shamit to take campaigns minutes at some point? That could be something, yeah. That could be because the pain's very streaky. Um, so if he's having a, a cold stretch and Landry's shooting the hell out of the ball, then it's it's definitely something that could happen. I think it will happen at some point, but it's a good problem to have because those are two to me that's probably the best uh, you know reserve backcourt in the league. I'd have to look more into it, but I, it's tough to find one better. Yeah, the uh, uh, Chris Paul has already mentioned. He's already mentioned in uh, in a post game. I think it was Wednesday post game that he's looking forward to maybe it was a practice one earlier in the week. Sorry, but uh, he's looking at, he's already talking to Monty about playing him and Booker and Shamit together. Yeah. I think you're going to see he, a lot of three guard lineups this year. Yeah. Uh, Cause Booker can slide to small forward for periods of time. He's six, six and um, he's, he's, he's very uh, functional defensively. And when he's really focused, he can be good defensively Devin Booker. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. I can see that happening when they need to get some offense because they got to run Shaman off of the off of screens and things like that. And one thing uh, Booker's really, really good at, as we saw this past year, is actually setting screens uh, that, that we wouldn't have considered in the years prior when they were rebuilding. I don't know if he set a whole screen in five years, but last year he was setting screens left and right because his guy was hugging up on him all game. And so you could take you can take two players out with one screen if you're Devin Booker. I love that. So that'll be a really interesting campaign. So let's move on to preseason observations. Um, I I want to start with unless you unless you want me to go, but I want to give you the chance to start on what do you think um, is uh, is your biggest takeaway so far from preseason, Zona? Just how. Easily, uh, and we, we kind of knew this was going to happen just based off the types of guys they are, but just how easily JaVale McGee and Landry Shamit have transitioned. It seems like they've been there for a while now. Um, and I think they're gonna, both going to be fan favorites off the bench just because of, you know, their, their certain skill sets they bring. And that's why we're already getting comments like, you know, JaVale starting over DeAndre. And I'm sure the, the whole like Shamit over Payne thing will be something that comes up later as well. But yeah, just looking from top to bottom, it looks like um, obviously the Lakers game is one game and LeBron and Westbrook didn't play, Booker didn't play, but there is definitely some encouraging moments and it just looked like, you know, the Suns that we all know and love, uh, just moving the ball, getting out in transition, sharing the ball. Um, but yeah, I think just JaVale and, and Landry, like in the general NBA, has been a little bit underrated, I think. Um, you know, the Suns Twitter is pretty high on both those guys. They have been all year, but it seems like just – Whenever you're talking about off-season additions, those guys are kind of getting glossed over. But in the regular season, they're going to help out a ton. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. I talked to the, the, a Nets podcaster who watched Shamit all last year. And, of course, what we do in this world, um, Zona, you know, is, is we look at when guys are on our team, we look at who they played for before to see how they're going to fit. So he had done some scouting from Shamit uh, when he was with the Clippers and stuff. And what he said, um, I believe his name was Mike. What he said was that Shamit was way underutilized in, in Brooklyn because 
Shamit is a run off the off a screen guy, like a, as a rookie with the Sixers, he was basically put into as a rookie um, with a small role. He was put into like a JJ Redick run off of screens, catch and shoot. And, and early on with the Clippers, he was doing that. But then toward the end with the Clippers, when they had Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard kind of man, manhandling the ball all the time. And then with the Nets, Shamit became just a spot up standstill guy. And that's not his best game. Sure, he can make open standstill threes, but he's really good off the off the bounce. Uh, not off, sorry, not off the bounce, but off the screens, um, and then stopping and, and catching and, and shooting. And I'm really looking forward to seeing some of that. Um, I like somebody on Twitter uh, put this in uh, in my mind the other day, and now I can't get it out of my mind. It's the Cam Sham Jam lineup. Two cams. One sham, and then JaVale McGee with the jams. What do you think of that? I like it. It's, it's uh, definitely something that I think their bench, like if there's like a best bench award, I think they would get it. Like their second unit is going to bury some some other second units. Like it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think that's underratedly their greatest strength that isn't really talked about enough. Um, because to me, both cams are like such luxuries to have off the bench. And, mm-hmm. um, and then you factor in just – you know, Shamit, like like you mentioned, the way he's used, especially in Brooklyn, where they already have Joe Harris, who can kind of fill the role that he would hypothetically play in a way, just as spacing the floor. So there were times where he was kind of redundant out there in a way uh, with Harris, and they obviously have the big three. So I think in Phoenix, he's going to be better utilized, and uh, we'll see more of that playmaking and, and maybe some more step-back threes, pull-up threes, stuff like that, because I think he's he's got a little bit more than just being a, a spot-up guy or someone you could run off screen, so... Um, definitely looking forward to that as well. And just Mikel's handle is the, the main thing I'm looking at because I think the pull-up jumper has always been pretty efficient, like when he gets there. But how does he get there? Like consistently, it's going to start with the handle. So that's something he's mentioned a few times just in the preseason, just, you know, that he's been working on this whole offseason. So uh, that's definitely another area to watch. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, what other kind of observations did you have from preseason? Uh, you want to say any others before I go on to mine? Um, just, I mean, without Booker, obviously there's going to be some times where they're, they're going to struggle to create offense. But overall, I thought, especially in the Lakers game, that it, it looked a lot more fluid than uh, you'd expect this soon. But I think that's part of just the continuity, which, you know, that word's going to be overused to the point to where I'm going to hate saying it, but uh, it's, it's true. So, well, we never, yeah, that's, we that's weren't able to all. say it for 10 years. So it's nice to be able to true. say it now. This oh, is absolutely. basically Monty's, in my opinion, uh, this is Monty's fourth year with the team, even though it's only the third official year, but because of the pandemic break, he's had four training camps now. And um, several of his guys have been here the whole time. So I really think Monty is just uh, putting more and more wrinkles in. They looked so smooth on uh, Wednesday, so good. And they didn't even have Booker in the lineup. What I, what I saw was actually was really interesting. I saw Mikel getting some of the Booker actions. So where he was yeah. running around and catching and shooting in, in the mid-range or dribbling into the mid-range, uh, doing a lot of the Booker role. And I thought that was really interesting because then you really need somebody to uh, to be able to, uh, recreate what Booker has done. And I'd rather personally rather have it be Mikel than Landry Shamit because Mikel's going to be under very, very soon, very under uh, under long-term contract. 
Um, so I, I, I love that. I love Mikel's new mid range. He took 18 shots on Wednesday, only made seven of them, but his shots were clean. They were open. He just didn't drain them. And last year he drained them when they, when he was open. So I'm not worried about him putting them down. Hey, code JJM. Thank you so much for the, uh, for the, for the donation. 1999. Sweet. Thank you. Anybody who wants to donate to us, we need the money. We always could use money. Everybody needs money in this world. Thank you so much. And we also have two new members today. Those are monthly members. They're now officially Flaming Ballers. I want to thank you guys, Thomas Herndon and Lorianne. Thank you so much for joining up today as long-term members. And Code JJM, thank you for the one-time donation so much. Great show. Yep. Have a good day, Code JJM. Jim? Anyway, thank you. Thank you for that donation. Uh, the other things uh, that I noticed in preseason, campaigns floaters. You notice he was putting those up this week uh, in the in-between game, and he didn't do any of those this past year. Uh, I had an interview with Cam on Media Day, and I asked, actually asked him about that. I said, what are you going to do to change up? He's like, man, I can tell that people are scouting me now. People, the GM, they know the teams are scouting me. They know if I'm going to take a three, I take it. If I'm driving, I'm going all the way to the rim as fast as I can, and I'm reaching out. Because if you guys saw, especially in the finals, uh, the Bucks were timing him, right? The Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, and Giannis were all timing his layup, no matter how uh, how snaky he got. They knew exactly where the ball was going to be. And so um, I really think that it really would help him to do a mid-range game. And so he laughed, and he said, man, that's what I came into the into the league with. I was all floaters and threes when I came in, but everyone coached the floaters out of me. So I just, I went to layups and threes. Now he's bringing the floaters back and they looked pretty good. I didn't get to watch, watch Monday's game uh, because of all the, you know, it was, it wasn't on TV and I don't do illegal streams. Um, But on Wednesday I did. And his floater looked really good because you got to leave the defense guessing. If they think you might pull up, then they can't be so perfectly timed on your hard drive on a layup. And if he's got that hezzy going uh, where they don't know what he's going to do, even while he's in the middle of it, uh, that's, you know, that's just uh, um, really makes him a lot more unstoppable offensively. What do you think? Yeah, no, that was a great interview too. Go check that out. I think that's a few episodes back. You threw that in the media day. Episode. Yeah. On, on the end of the media um, day audio. Yep. Cause I didn't get video yeah, so with him. Check- Otherwise I would have posted it here. Yeah. Yeah. Thank so you. go check that out. But I think the floater game is definitely, uh, he needs it because I don't think just the way he shoots, it's like kind of awkward and like getting into his mid range jump shot would take a little bit too much time. So I think that's sort of why that's that part of his game is missing right now. Um, so having a floater to kind of balance that in between game is huge. It's, it's the next step in his offensive development. I think either a floater or mid range, but, uh, yeah, I think if he can get that down consistently, that'd be, that'd be awesome. And to go back to what you said about Mikhail, I think anytime he shoots 10 plus, uh, field goals a game, mm-hmm. that's, that's a win. We need to convince him, like, just keep shooting the damn ball. He's like, there's games where he'll just take like, you know, four or five shots. And I'm just like very frustrated by that. Uh, same with Cam Johnson at times. He'll just be a little bit too self, uh, selfless. So those two guys, their aggression is like the main thing I'm looking at in the preseason, um, along with sticks who, you know, I want to see him just, you know, start showing that he belongs and play a little more physical and, and stuff like that. So I think aggression is the main thing to look at for any young guy in the, in the preseason. Absolutely. Um, another 
observation that I had. Uh, well, this wasn't an observation. This was a comment comment that Monty said after Wednesday's game. Um, I had pointed out that it looked like Jalen Smith may have found a niche as a garbage guy. In the first half of the Lakers game, Jalen Smith was really good at diving toward the rim to either get putbacks or dump-offs for dunks, or uh, he had one of each, and then um, getting rebounds, offensive and, and defensive rebounds. So that could be the kind of role he could be good at. And so I asked Monty about it. He said, yeah, absolutely. If he's going to get on the court, he's going to be in that kind of role for sure. And I love the fact that he doesn't hesitate on taking threes. Monty said this. You know, he's great at, at letting the threes fly when he's in the, in the right position. But then Monty said, however, I'm looking at a nine-man rotation this year. And so if any one of those guys is going to get in, they're going to have to really force the issue. Um, I don't exa- I don't remember exactly the words. I didn't transcribe it word for word. But basically he said, we got nine-guy rotation. So there's your Cam Sham Jam uh, uh, bench right there. Two Cams, Landry Shamit and JaVale McGee. That's your, that's your whole bench right there for uh, unless there's injuries. So guys, the other guys are just going to get in when they can. Now, of course, Monty finds ways to get guys to play, but he's not mixing and matching on guards this year. Like last year, he didn't know. Campaign started a little slow, um, and he had some injury issues. Of course, any, anybody can go through injury issues, which mucks that up. But uh, Campaign started a little bit slow. Etwan Moore got a month run there. Langston Galloway got a month run there. This year, they don't have to worry about that because Landry Shamit is going to really take over that role unless he goes through a really slow period. But he is extremely consistent, 40% three-point shooter. He doesn't really slump Landry Shamit. He's not hot and cold like Jay Crowder is. Um, so I'm curious on those on those nine. What do you think about not giving minutes to anyone outside the top nine unless there's injuries? Yeah, I think a nine-man rotation is perfect in the regular season. So I was definitely glad that he said that. Uh, you know, if you get – those 10 or 11 man rotations, it just gets a little too clunky and, and hard to like keep up with like consistency or guys knowing what their role is going to be. So to me, that, that 10th man right now is uh, Abdel Nader. Uh, Jalen Smith could be if, if he keeps improving and, and proves that, you know, he belongs in the rotation. But to me right now, Nader is a guy that he's that next man up. So it's uh, especially, you know, he threw him in the playoffs like after missing three and a half months. So there's definitely some trust there. Um, yeah, he loves Abdel Nader. Yeah, so I think he's first someone, injury uh, replacement right there. Yeah, he will suffer a little bit from the three guard lineup. So I think minute minutes wise, like it's going to really clog up the opportunity for him. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, any other final thoughts on preseason so far? It's only been two games, only one of which they played real hard. But did you see anything else you wanted to point out? Um, no, nothing really preseason wise. So. It's the preseason. All right. right, Well, we have kept you guys. Uh, We are over in Wow, 11 minutes already right now. Um, I wanted to point out, we're going to wrap this up. I wanted to point out, uh, make a big thank you also. The new five-star reviews that we got this week. Brandon, everybody loves that you've joined the pod. And uh, I don't, I I would love to read them word for word, but it just uh, makes me a little uncomfortable for all compliments. But um, definitely, uh, Zona, they love you being on the pod. We got a five-star review from 290 in uh, actually Apple Podcast Germany uh, from Ber- greetings from Berlin. And uh, 
Tabak on the U.S. Apple Podcast. Love the show, and Dave would love to contribute on the show. It's, he's uh, labeled himself Zona 74. So I don't know. I'm looking. I Look, one of the perks, if you're a member, is that I'll reach out to you and ask you for input on how to, how, or what parts, what segments we should do, uh, what topics we should bring up in Baller Talk. So for sure, you get first dibs on doing that. And then finally, Mike Shumway left us a five-star review. Solar panel never left, even though we've had some turnover. I think we're better than ever. I love that, Zona. I love that you've joined the, joined the team. Thank you so much. And I've been so thrilled with how many guests have said yes over the past few months. We, had, we didn't do a ton of guests in the old days. We had some guests, but we didn't do a ton of them. When we did have guests, it was uh, probably a majority of me getting them. I'm loving getting guests now. Spencer Davies was great today. Um, we've had guests on the midweeks and all that. Zona's going to be joining me on some midweeks. Uh, we're going to have some guests. Zona's going to bring in a guest. we got a really cool guy that I'm, uh, we're going to int- uh, have on a pod in the next week or so who has a great YouTube channel and breaks down games. And he's going to explain to us how the Suns are so good at what they do by explaining how they run their actions and stuff. I really love that kind of talk. Um, so we got some great shows coming up. Subscribe to us on the podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Everything we do is is for you guys and uh, just for the joy of being here with you. I really appreciate it. Zona, tell us where they can find you and promote any kind of work you're working on right now because you have a whole other life besides solar panel. So tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, appreciate that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter just at ZonaHoops underscore. Uh, check out my work at ZonaHoops.com. Have my site there. And obviously uh, do some words at Bright Side of the Sun as well. So mm-hmm. All that good stuff. But yeah, I appreciate the, the kind words and I'm happy to join the show. Looking forward to, like you said, we have some really great guests lined up. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Yes. All right. You can, my name is Dave King. You can find me at Dave King NBA on Twitter. You can find all my written work. And I've been there for 10 years now, brightsideofthesun.com. We have a great group of writers, including Zona. Um, and it's, it's just been, it's a wonderful site to be a part of. And We've, uh, two, 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 two. Yeah. Uh, we're, we do great re- game coverage, uh, during the week. So you'll always know what's going on with the Suns on the, on the pod, uh, or excuse me, on the, on the website. And then we'll be back here every Saturday for live shows and, uh, midweek pods, uh, when they pop into your podcast feed, go look for them. And then, uh, I also post the video version of them if, if I get the video on the YouTube channel as well. So, uh, you guys can see it either way. I really appreciate all your support. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day.